0: The Guardian.
1: Hello and welcome to The Guardian's daily election podcast. I'm Andrew Rawnsley, Associate Editor of The Observer. Joining me in this regular Friday slot, two delightful colleagues from The Guardian, Chief Political Correspondent Nick Watt. Hello there. And columnist Marina Hyde. Hello. Hello. Before we begin, I think we should agree some ground rules. It's probably easiest just to use the 76 from last night, so there'll be absolutely no applause, no hogging the microphone, no bodily contact with either the audience or each other, (laughs) at least until the very end, we may allow some laughter. Yes, we have to begin with the first televised debate in British election history. 9.4 million people on average tuned in to watch. Not quite the World Cup final, but not too bad for 90 minutes of raw politics without an ad break. If you've managed to avoid it all until now, here's some of what you missed. It can only end up with the loss of thousands of jobs, including teachers. You will not back us and support us on keeping education spending right. Mr Cameron, then Mr Clegg. Why won't you support education spending as we do? I think people can hear that this is just a complete invention of a figure plucked out of the air. We are saying that the government could save one pound out of every hundred it spends. Now, what small business, what large business, what family, frankly, hasn't had to do that during this difficult recession? All right, and Mr. You go Clegg, on as, now. As the Mr. Climate? Clegg, now. I'm, going to take I'm not sure money if you're, sure if you're like me. I know that. Thank, you, Thank you, Mr. Grant,
0: L- Mr. Clegg. I'm not sure if you're like me, but the more they attack each other, the more they <laughs> sound exactly the same.
1: We have got to make a decision now about how we secure the recovery this year. Choose hope over fear because we have incredibly exciting and optimistic plans for the
0: future of our country. What I've tried to show you this evening is that there is an alternative uh, to, to the two old parties. I know many of you think that all politicians are just the same. I hope I've tried to show you that that just isn't true. I thought
1: that zinger by Nick Clegg, the more they attack each other at the expense of the other two, the more they sound the same, was probably the closest we came to a, a good zinger of the night. Marina, the consensus this morning among both the commentariat and the opinion polling is that it was Nick Clegg's night. He was the winner of the debate. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, I think he was the winner of the debate. I have to say I watched it in a sports bar in uh London's glittering Haymarket where uh I think it was a little bit different to the Media Village in Manchester in that there were people literally complaining that they couldn't hear the darts. So, um I don't think they've broken through to all the voters quite yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Nick Clegg or David Cameron Gordon Brown not in the sports bar probably did not shift many They've votes. not really
2: appealed to sports bar man yet, but I don't know if that's a gem- demographic they're actually chasing. It's
0: uh, Nick, do you think Nick Clegg? Yeah, do you give it to him? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and as you're, you're absolutely right to pick on that quote where he said, the more they attack each other, the more they look the same. Uh, very much he played the role as the outsider. And I think the interesting question for us this morning is what it says about our political system. Because Nick Clegg is not taken seriously. Oh, he's the leader of the third party. He's not taken seriously because every week at Prime Minister's questions, he stands up and he has a volley of abuse from both sides. It's very difficult for him to get himself heard. And the one chance when he was given equal footing, when he was allowed to be heard, he stole the show. So I think that this this changes the way we do politics, not just in terms of there's a television debate, but he'll be able to come back, say he's still the leader of the third party in uh, prime minister questions. He'll be able to stand up in the comments and say, you lot are shouting me down. Grow up. People do actually want to listen to me. Look at how well I did in the telly debate.
1: Now, Marina, one thing we noted that in ev- nearly every response from all three of them, we had these attempts to bring in autobiographical or Biographical anecdotes to support their points. I once met a bloke in Kettering with irritable bowel. That is why I really care about the NHS. Now, this is a very American technique, but do you think it actually works, or does it turn the British off?
2: God, you've got to get it right, haven't you? My favourite is that guy. The, the, do you remember Cameron, the forty-year-old black man? Who, yes, I met a black went, man. He met so a black very man. Very odd for. Well done. <laughs> yeah. uh, when, and he came, he'd come to England when he was six, and he'd been thirty years in the uh, in the Royal Navy. Now, is, is that the first cabin boy? Has he met a cabin boy? Boy. I, I can't understand that. how he old, has he got to,
0: to be careful doesn't he it does yeah. sound ever so slightly patronizing I think I
2: hope he got a phone I would have I would have asked for a phone number by the time we got onto the third one the, you know the whoever the one who has to keep committing Unu- burglary. I agree with you. unusually
1: undeft of Cameron because you can't imagine him saying I I once met a white man that's the boy Nick did you think he was not quite as I mean okay fine but not quite the Cameron. a lot of people including Tories had expected.
0: No that's right I mean he was polished yes he was but it's interesting there's Marina saying about you know do, does he connect when he comes up with an individual story. I think it works when it's genuine so when he talked about Ivan his son who died last year severely de- disabled son and talked about the service that he got from the NHS that was from the heart and that was genuine but just saying I met this jolly interesting chap out on the campaign trail very interesting he- story I don't, I don't think quite works and what it, it's also interesting about what it says about how we interpret political leaders because we all say we see Cameron giving a stump speech and he'll come up with a story like that he's not challenged and we all go yeah great he's fantastic but actually in the bear pit of last night when he's got the other two leaders it didn't work and it didn't look genuine
2: and he larded them on there were too many of them he might have got away with two but four you think hang on this is it's too many
1: Now then privacy. we have yeah then we have the the jokes and I thought it was particularly the case with Gordon Brown. Here is a joke that Alistair Campbell put together for me earlier, which I'm going to now microwave in front of you. I mean there was that one to Cameron from Brown. Uh, you can airbrush your posters, David, but you can't airbrush your policies. They didn't really come off, did they? they were just too clunking. I God, thought
2: we're desperate for a joke in this campaign, aren't we? Please, I mean that that comes off as the joke of the night is the one about, is the one about thank you very much, Lord Ashcroft, for paying for the posters. I mean, yeah.
0: I and he Actually, didn't even really deliver like, that very but well. But that one worked OK. Oh, I mean, like the that. airbrush one didn't <clears throat> work. You're absolutely right. That was microwaving it. But the, the uh, thanks very much and hey, you've even showed me smiling and then smiled. I sort of thought that worked. But hey, we are talking about The Corbin bar Brown is here.
2: low, isn't it? <laughs> we are. <laughs> really? It is a little bit low. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh,
1: And uh, you were in a sports bar and I think you were in London, weren't you? Indeed, absolutely. Uh, But you will have talked to people, no doubt, who were up in Manchester in what became known as Spin Alley and we did have this ridiculous spectacle of, you know, all all the parties then putting people on on television afterwards say their guy had won. (laughs) Well, What a surprise. I mean, does it fool anybody, any of this stuff?
0: Well, it looks like one lesson that they haven't learnt are UK spinners in this country is the most famous line from Joe Klein's great book Primary Colours, where he Said after those uh, debates in the 92 primaries, uh, winners grin, losers spin. Um, so it looked like that there was a bit too much spinning going on, which means that maybe in their heart of hearts they think they lost. No, there is nervous, um, nervousness amongst the Conservatives, and nervousness that David Cameron broke the number one rule of British politics, or of any politics, which is if you're the front runner, don't help your opponents. And there are a lot of Tories who are saying it was a very silly idea of him to agree to the debates, indeed to push for the debates, because he was the front runner, and it has given Nick Clegg an absolute superb platform.
1: Okay, now let's move it on a little. Um, The story of the week has unfolded with a series of set piece events, not just that leaders debate, uh, but also, of course, the launch a bit earlier in the week of all the parties' manifestos. We began with Labour on Monday at a gleaming new PFI-financed hospital on the outskirts of Birmingham. Gordon Brown appeared before a computer-generated field of waving corn, perhaps a hazard to anyone at risk of epileptic fits. Um, Nick Watt, you were there. And I suppose Labour's central task at that manifesto launch as in the campaign as a whole is to prove that it's still fresh and got energy and and would be a fresh and dynamic government if it got a fourth term. Did it succeed in that task?
0: I think it looks serious. You have the cabinet there, a few of them answering questions. Although, interestingly, when Gordon Brown said to Peter Mandelson, Did he want to answer a question? he put up his hands and said no. So it looks serious and it looks substantial. But the thing that was really interesting to me was reading the Labour Manifesto. It is the most boring mind-numbingly clunkingly dull read and if you're having problems getting to sleep at night I really recommend get the Labour Manifesto you will be asleep within five minutes and the reason why it's such a poor read is you just feel it's been written by a committee that Ed Miliband who was in charge sort of went off on some great sort of Fabian journey and uh, Peter Mandelson uh, bought his boy in Patrick Diamond sort of pulled him back to the centre ground it's written by a committee uh, so not a great read but maybe serious stuff and maybe that's a good platform. I mean while well, they Conservative manifesto came in this sort of blue, like a hymn book. Like a hymn actually, book, yeah. Like yeah. A hymn
1: yeah. hymn it book. did look yeah. just
2: like a hymn book or, or a tombstone. Even you know, yeah. very heavily. Involved. But it is a
0: book and it's a hardback book, so we can take it on holiday. I mean, August, you know, on a Greek beach, it'll be it'll be fun to read it. But actually, we we joke. But it is beautifully written because it's not written by a committee. It's written by um, two key people, Oliver Letwin and Steve Hilton, who are absolutely on the same journey, which is to create this big society, which is to devolve power. And they are both wordsmiths now do we want to be governed like that? Well, maybe not but certainly to read it it's quite a pleasant read but I think I probably won't read it. It's got to be
2: better than the manifesto films the little stick men films that Labour have put out um, which are done apparently by Ridley Scott Associates. Oh, Blade Runner they weren't. The, uh, it
0: was pretty pretty basic. Wasn't it? Well, they were quite fun though quite lively. Wasn't it? I, 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 I
2: really think that this is the, get the thing about the bar being lowered again it's like people say well they're quite fun to normal people this is not quite fun this looks like a really bad episode of Bod which was quite fun.
1: And then I, I was there at the uh, Battersea Power Station along with uh, many of my, my colleagues and a, uh, an audience, a, a clack of clappers, because all the parties do this now, so they have a clack of their own activists in there to 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 clap. That was an interminably long affair at Battersea Power Station. I think it was the longest of all. Marina, do, do you think it serves the parties any good at all, these manifesto launches? I mean, does it, will it engage any of the public? Will they want to rush out and say, yes, I must now buy a manifesto?
2: Well, what, no, I don't, no one's going to buy a manifesto, are they? But what it does do is that I'm afraid we're all, we all operate in a certain way, and it does buy you the media for that morning. So, um, it's, it's worth it on that level, and that, you know, if you can get, you line up people to talk about it straight afterwards, and you can sort of own the airways for six hours. Or... And
1: Battersea Bear Station, I mean, famously, for instance, on a Uh, a cover of a pink Floyd Album about pigs and dogs. Uh, David right yeah, from it's, a a a, it's,
2: a, it's a bit of a Rorschach test, isn't it? Like, everyone sees what they want to. Like, it's a crumbling building that no one can ever actually properly regenerate if you want to be if you're on the Labour side or if you're on the Tories. It's, it, you know, it's a great new thing of hope because I've got a temporary glass structure in the middle of it. Anyway, I mean, I. But the
0: amazing thing was that David Cameron didn't know about the Pink Floyd album cover. Surely, you know, he's that generation. Aha,
1: you are. He didn't know that was d- on the lyrics.
0: And, yeah. and I thought he was, you know, he makes a big thing of sort of being. Quite with it, but obviously he's not. But in terms, well, of- he'd say that maybe show you showing your age and that he likes I'm the same bands. age as him. No, he likes yeah, the, 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 jam. Bands, <laughs> the, the bands that came along a bit
1: later well, after Pompous saying, I'm, I'm, Frog Rock. I don't yeah, know, it I'm claiming to speak for him, but <laughs> I quite like <laughs> Pink Floyd myself. Yeah, exactly.
0: But, uh, but it was you're talking about the internal length. Patrick Winter, our colleague, the Pillar of Credit, the Guardian, uh, he did a very funny blog because obviously the, the great Tory mantra is we're in it together, and Patrick wrote we're in it forever, uh, which was quite funny. But uh, well, this takes me on. on
1: to another point because I got this manifesto, so you're invitation to join uh, the government of britain and i want to make an early bid now to be the next british ambassador in paris and if i don't get that at the very least i want governor generalship of a nice warm island in the mm-hmm. caribbean otherwise i will regard this tory pledge to make us all part of the government of britain as another uh, superficial tory plot or another broken pledge i thought there was a lovely a lovely, uh, just short letter, as they're often the best ones, a short letter from somebody to the Guardian's letters page saying, if we're all becoming members of the government of Britain, can I put in my expenses claim now? <laughs>
2: that was a yeah.
1: lovely. lovely. I,
2: there, I mean, people are quite cynical about that sort of thing. I thought uh, Armando Nucci's little tweet about saying, um, if you're arresting someone in Wigan today, you must say, I have been invited to perform this arrest. Yeah, yeah. I, just the idea of, um, I think people are immediately cynical about having to get up and like run society, and th- that represents a leap forward as opposed to just another way of talking about cuts.
0: Yeah, this DIY is going to catch right, That's right. I mean, Simon Hoggart wrote a very funny sketch, DIY surgery, you know, here's yeah. the knife, and here's how you yeah. sort of... Um, but the, if the Tories were here, they'd say, look, you are being sort of fantastically condescending Easter um, saying that actually there aren't people out there, there are fantastically volu- fantastic voluntary groups, and uh, you're being rather patronising. But uh, well, this, I'm is not quite sure. pe- this is from the same this is from the same
2: people who were wandering around the deb- the debate spin alley last night saying, you know, we won. I mean, they don't they can't really talk about cynicism. I think that you know they they don't really get. To- get to say things like that when they're wandering around saying that. Yes,
0: and it does sort of go rather back to sort of David Cameron. He grew up in Berkshire and his mother was a magistrate and that was very important for him. But, you know, not everywhere's Berkshire and not everyone's mum is a magistrate. Now,
1: we mustn't leave out the Lib Dems because, of course, they also had a manifesto launch that took place at the headquarters of Bloomberg, the financial news agency in the city. Bit odd the symbolism of that, given that the Libs have been probably the... The most aggressive in flaying the city, I thought, like a vegetarian party launching its manifesto in an abattoir, Nick.
0: A bit like that, but it's sort of, aren't we serious? And we have, um, we we have the great Vince Cable, or or, or the the great Tory line going round about Vince Cable is obviously the great thing about Vince is that he forecast seventeen of the last two recessions, (laughs) Um, and it's quite an interesting point. I mean, he spoke, (laughs) he spoke before Nick Clegg, and he was he was very very good. Um, uh, Although the thing about Vince Cable, who obviously is important because, you know, his picture's on the side of the bus and all that sort of stuff they're campaigning in. Uh, the thing about Vince Cable is you sense that he, he's, he's a very good commentator, but I'm not quite sure whether he's such a good doer, because, of course, one of their big policies where they're going to raise all this money, £17 billion I think it is, to be able to raise uh, a tax allowance up to 10000 One of his policies is the mansion tax, uh, which crumbled within about five nanoseconds of it being launched at uh, the Liberal Democrat Conference last year. It was going to be a million pounds, had to raise it to two when they realised all the posh seats they'd lose.
1: Uh, Marina, you had, I believe, that Rare pleasure of attending the launch of UKIP's manifesto.
2: It was indeed a rare pleasure. It was in uh, the back of a restaurant in um, actually Sky and the BBC News' Westminster building because they thought that they could actually get them to come down three floors. <laughs> uh, um, the, no
1: French food on the menu. No, there
2: was absolutely nothing on the menu. Um, <laughs> it was it was in the, one of the smallest rooms I've about a quarter of the size of the room we're in currently now, um, and um, I have to say that. Lord Rannick Pearson not perhaps the most seasoned media performer hadn't yet got round to reading the manifesto was a bit confused that they were going to ban the burqa in private buildings as well as public but give him time it's 15 pages I'm sure he will get And
0: he's it. seriously posh isn't he? I mean, he's, yes he is I mean he makes David Cameron actually sound quite sort of like a prole, yeah quite <laughs> chaffy really I mean and his wife I think is standing
2: his so wife's she, now going to stand in yeah. uh, Kensington she was unveiled at the end as the surprise candidate um, they've got these sort of t-shirts which I think they think are fantastically risky Nigel Farage said it was going to be the edgiest campaign in British political history so you're thinking wow what's going to happen when you got there there was a um, there was there were t-shirts saying withdrawal exclamation mark before it's <laughs> oh, too late <laughs> <laughs> it was really umatron
0: That's famous, isn't
1: it? Just, uh, <laughs> and um, the Greens which Probably slightly more serious. Fair so launch their manifesto. Imagine Nick. I mean, looking at the polling, we'll see what happens. But looking at the polling, uh, a lot of people are actually indicating at the moment they might vote for other than the three main
0: parties, which could have an effect on the result. Absolutely. And there's a real possibility that Caroline Lucas, the very, very effective leader of the Greens, she's an MEP, a very good MEP, uh, she could win a seat uh, down in Brighton. Yeah, I think absolutely. In in, in the climate that we're in, uh, still off the back of the expenses scandal, all three main parties were tainted by that. There may well be an appetite. And and obviously, the you know, the two most important in GB terms, or rather England and Wales terms uh, the, uh, of the other part are obviously uh, the Greens, Caroline Lucas targeted an interesting seat in Brighton and then UKIP, Nigel Farage, the former leader standing in Buckingham uh, against the Speaker John Burke. Maybe he could uh, pull off an uh, interesting side. OK,
1: let's move on to our final topic, which is about what's, I suppose, inevitably become known as the e-election, how it's playing on the internet. I think we've had another recent case of Twitter side where a candidate says something foolish on twitter and ends his political career as a result marina is it making a difference i, I noted in one of your columns earlier in the week uh that uh, you noted that some cabinet members who are using twitter may be breaking their own protocols about off the record oh, it was ridiculous
2: we were on the bus on the way to the labor manifesto we had a briefing from a person we were required to describe as a senior cabinet minister but that, that was it. Out of yeah you weren't allowed to say who it was <laughs> Not three minutes after he'd finished the briefing, Douglas Alexander tweeted, I've just been briefing the journalists on the bus on the way to... Just, it just, it's oh, so fantastic. You know, and they're talking about a new politics and getting away from all this stuff. And you think, God, I mean, if you people understood the ridiculous and completely pointless restrictions they place on reporting, it's not like it's going to go off message, is it? <laughs> no,
0: no. But I tell you what's interesting about this is we're all saying, oh, is this going to be the great e-election? We looked at Barack Obama in 2008, obviously fantastically energised campaign and social networking and everything. And hey, what have we been talking about today? We've been talking about a very, very old-fashioned medium, and it's called the television, 50 years after the first presidential debate in the United States. It's happening here. It is the absolute potential game-changer, the most important thing in this election. It's very old-fashioned. Isn't that marvellous?
1: I think that's absolutely true. Although with the added twist now that people like... I was, and many others were, could be tweeting uh, instant commentaries on who was winning the match and who was losing and who just said something interesting and who just blundered during it, which I suppose gives a, a slightly more instant flavour to the reaction, at least. Now you get instant polling as well.
0: No, that's absolutely right. Um, but you were saying that nine million people watch this. You yeah, know, how many, how many yeah. people are looking at Twitter? I don't think it's no, anything anything like that. That's true. So
1: do you um, think it may just be the political classes talking to them? Oh, themselves? so much. Of it's yeah. the
2: political class is talking themselves i just you know and i think really talking about that spin alley last night what the tv debates in a lot a large way give us is that all these people who sort of jerk off to the west wing box set you know all the political class get a chance to finally play like they're in you know they're in american politics which is why they all want to come into the debate room in dark glasses and talk about you know who's winning they just they all think they're josh lyman they're not
0: they're not there is only one josh lyman There's and wouldn't one. we all like to be like no i'd rather be toby ziegler who was in London this week? Actually, well, but this is the other odd thing. I mean, I know, played by Richard Schiff, who I know a bit.
1: Um, oh, <laughs> uh, only. No, I'm not making some great claim. I've I met him. That's what oh, I'm that's, saying, that's and he seems cool. a quite nice chap. He is. Th- he is not actually Toby Ziegler. No, he's not. He? He, he's that's never true. worked in the White House. He is an actor, and yet I saw oh, him really? being. really? I right. saw him being interviewed no. on all these programs as though he was a great <laughs> do, political strategist.
2: Well, yeah, the when John Spencer who's now dead who played the chief, the chief of staff, of staff yeah. um, in the West Wing when he came to the UK a few years before he died Jonathan Powell who was at the time Blair's chief of staff invited him to Downing Street as so it were a bilateral meeting yes. he's on, I don't know if you realise he's on television
1: yeah. <laughs> well that's all we have time for this week my great thanks to my guests Nick Watt and Marina Hyde General Election Daily returns on Monday with Sir Michael White this is Andrew Rawnsley thanks for listening
2: for more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.